This is Isaka's Page to Podcast. Hello, thank you for joining us today. I am Robin Lyons, IT Audit Professional Practices Principal at Isaka, and joining us today to talk about application testing and how smarter testing equals safer digital experiences is Shannon Leitz. Shannon is the Vice President of Security at Adobe, and she will help us uh, guide us through this discussion today. So Shannon, if you would uh, take a, a few minutes to introduce yourself for our participants, please. Yeah, hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be here, and it's going to be an amazing topic, I hope. And we're really excited about being able to discuss application security testing uh, in depth. Thank you very much, Shannon. So to kick us off today, um, we're going to start with a pretty big question. So we're going we're gonna to go big today, right? But I do want to frame the discussion a little bit for our participants. OWASP Top 10 and CWE um, SANS Top 25 have been around for, for a while uh, to guide us in, in this particular space. But I wanted to ask, in addition to these lists, are there guidance or tips that, that you can share with us, Shannon, about how we really should approach application security testing? So basically, what is it that we're doing wrong? Or if we want to put a positive spin on it and say, what are we not optimizing as far as our application security testing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not about doing it wrong. It's about always continuously improving. And I think what really came and sparked on application security in general is that really what we try to do is to get developers to be able to build better, safer software. And so if you think about that, um, OWASP top 10 are really helpful for security professionals and understanding what different ways to test something as well as uh, the SANS top 25. And if you think about how we're actually putting these things together, I think in general, we're providing the information pretty transparently as a community to be about how we test, but not necessarily in the way that a developer can consume. And that's the big aha moment, especially as I've been working in DevSecOps for over a decade. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about how do we actually make something accessible for a developer versus trying to get them to be um, essentially security experts. I, I hope to actually make security better by allowing developers to do what they do great, figuring out how they do development and bringing more security into that development practice. That's fantastic. So bringing security into, into a space where people normally may not have that um, on their radar as part of their their primary responsibilities. Is that? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, if you think about it, developers have their own testing frameworks. They've been doing quality for decades. There was a document written in the 1970s around how you do software quality testing, integrity testing, all of those things. And security at the time wasn't really thought about in the way that we think about it these days. So if you, if you surmise what's really next, it's about how did we actually miss back then when software was being thought about in terms of how do you test for quality? Why wasn't security really being thought about in terms of what it could be from an adversary perspective? Instead, uh, a lot of the security elements of testing were actually baked into a bunch of bolt-on security quality standards over the years. And so it sort of originated an entire industry that was separate, even by mindset. And my belief is we have to bring it back together. We've got to figure out how to make it accessible. Right. And I think when you're talking about mindset, um, one of the approaches that that we've seen a lot and still see is that for testing, people rely on either more extensive testing or more frequent testing. Um, but one of the things that I think that, that's appealing about Adobe's approach 
is to look at smarter testing. And like that old adage that says, you know, work smarter, not harder. So can you talk a little bit about smarter testing and what that would look like for people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are millions of tests you can apply from a security perspective to most software. Uh, you can see that from when we run patch scanners and there's thousands of tests. There are a variety of ways somebody can actually fuzz software. And ultimately, what happens is we create a lot of different lists and we essentially apply testing in a certain way. But what it comes down to is we're testing in three main categories for application security. We're testing code defects, we're testing for business logic flaws, and we're testing for misconfiguration. And I sort of lump patch management into that misconfiguration as well because it's sort of a hygiene bucket. Ultimately, what that turns into is from a developer standpoint, they want to understand what do they need to do to pass these tests. And, and really, how do you understand that it has to do with what are they failing at in the first place? So some of the originating tests that you can apply in a company, how is input validation? How are configurations doing? And being transparent about those elements is about bucketing and basically understanding and starting to work through a learning cycle on testing. So, you know, if you basically come in and, and build surprising testing, uh, ultimately you aren't building up testing knowledge from a developer perspective. So they don't know what's going to come next time. Every time they test it from a security perspective, it's essentially a surprise for them. And so ultimately, if we get really good as a community in terms of understanding the developer's way of thinking about security testing, that allows them to understand where they have to actually do the work. So as an example, if you're going to do application security testing, we commonly think of it as a runtime behavior that we actually need to test in development, in staging, in production. And those disciplines are what I consider to be shift-right testing. Shift-right testing is going to give you a whole lot of information, either pre-incident, post-incident, about what's going to be the problem that an, an adversary could actually go after. And so when you think about that side of the equation, ultimately an adversary is part of it. So the way I, I kind of think about a, a company is that there's two sides to this equation. There's being the defensive side of the equation, and then there's ultimately the adversary side of the equation. The adversary side of the equation is um, about applying pressure. So that shift right element is about how do you apply the right pressure from an adversary lens to know whether or not all of your controls are effective? Are they working as expected? And that's the, the side of the testing where you see very akin to what quality testing does to get ahead of customers finding defects. So you don't want adversaries finding your defects. You don't want customers finding your defects. So that's ultimately where they actually pair up. Now, to do that, you actually have to categorize your adversary profiling. You have to get your testing set up a certain way. And that's going to allow you to be able to put a profile through. So as an example, we commonly talk in the industry from a security perspective about script kitties. But who's really applying script kitty testing to their environment so that they know they're getting past script kitties? If I look at most of the tests that are out there, I don't see a discipline around um, adversary profiling. I don't see discipline around testing profiling. I don't see metrics that help you to understand as a developer what you're getting right and wrong. Did you actually make a risk decision that allowed you to take that risk in the first place? So in those three buckets, commonly you'll see risk being taken around business logic. The other buckets of, of code defects and misconfiguration are commonly just mistake areas. They're areas where somebody doesn't really take a risk decision for it. They may just not have the skill associated with their coding, or they may not understand what a misconfiguration looks like because nobody's really 
demonstrated that yet. There's not a hardening guideline for it. So that's one side. Now, if we look on the shift left side, which you've probably heard shift left before, uh, the shift left side is about code defects. So commonly part of the pipeline that you might have for CICD, continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment, is that you're going to actually test, run a bunch of tests that are actually in code, looking for static code analysis tools, looking for some sort of dependency checking, and doing that before something is being deployed. So you can get a whole bunch of telemetry about your software early in the pipeline. You can get it post-deployment, but you have to have a way to do a feedback loop. And that smart testing method has to be about arranging your tests so that a developer can rationalize where they should spend their effort. For example, we commonly talk about secrets management and some of those things. Are you actually testing how your secret management solutions should be working, how a developer is leveraging those? And from an end-to-end -end perspective, as well as a component level set of tests. So Shannon, um, you've been at Adobe for about a year now. So since when you first started and now, what needs have you seen in the community that were the genesis for Adobe's uh, new smart testing application approach? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I came to Adobe for all the fun that I think it has with products and creativity and software in general. And in making the switch, because it was nine years into it, um, and a wonderful nine years, I realized that I had a lot to offer the company. We have over 130 products. We have a lot of application security uh, surface to work through. And what was most relevant at the time was this understanding of trying to get to the point where developers are really in the driver's seat for their testing. When I entered into the company, I realized very quickly that developers did not have an understanding of what they were going to get tested on. And um, they were very surprised by the output. So if we were testing something around their application, they weren't sure they were going to get a code flaw or they weren't sure they were going to get a business logic flaw or a misconfiguration. And so the challenge for developers is they have to have some way to have a discipline-oriented approach to their testing so that they know where they can spend their effort. And when it comes back out, they can determine, well, how did I get it right? How did I get it wrong? They have to have a way to actually rationalize. So for developers, everything has, has really been security. Testing has really been surprising, not just at Adobe, but I think within the community as a whole. Every time I talk to developer communities, I find that they really want for there to be some sort of open testing capability that they can understand, rationalize. And when you really get into the scheme of things, you know, there's millions of tests out there that could be applied. Ultimately, a developer cannot be a security testing expert to get their software to really work from a security perspective. So we've got to find a way to make it truly accessible. And that's what the the impetus was for actually moving forward with smart security testing and making it so that it had transparency and some sort of way for developers to rationalize how they were going to get things right. And when they didn't get them right, how they were going to actually prioritize and, and have that discipline. Okay. Thank you very much, Shannon. And, and your point that uh, developers are not going to become security experts is, is well taken. Um, I know that in the industry, we did have a transition from DevOps to DevSecOps. So I did want to talk a little bit about, um, and keeping in mind that developers are not going to become security experts, what does that mindset of DevSecOps, what does that look like and what does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. So software is a team sport. We always say security is a team sport, but software is a, a team sport. 
And so um, back in the day, I remember when DevOps came out, it was um, very much a, an interesting endeavor. You would talk to folks that considered themselves to be part of that DevOps capability. They were doing Agile and Scrum. But in the security community, we weren't doing Agile and Scrum. In fact, we were still doing checklists and checking software at the end, and we didn't have any automation to use. And the developers really had no automation to test their security along the way. So ultimately what was happening is security was becoming latent in the, in the actual SDLC or software development lifecycle. That created a huge problem for the industry because ultimately as software sped up and we started to see things like CICD, continuous integration, continuous deployment, ultimately the cloud coming in, we saw software publishing speeding up at a rate that already was difficult to keep up with from a security perspective. So not only did software speed up, they actually started getting to the point where it was so fast that even those checklist approach to software security testing wasn't really making it. And ultimately you've seen the picture where basically the car is running around the, the guard post. Well, ultimately that, that's essentially what was happening. And, and I think in some companies still happening, there's still folks in the community that are catching up with this notion that they've got to essentially bring security to the development process that DevOps really does need to have security as part of it because quality ultimately was written without thinking about adversaries. A lot of DevOps is oriented around customer-driven innovation, um, designing for delight. But when it comes to a security person's job or, or the things that they care about, it's managing risk. And risk is really driven by adversaries if we get down to the basics of it. If you don't have adversaries, you may have a theoretical risk out there. If you don't know if you have adversaries, then you may not be able to actually apply the right controls. And I think that what came out of the DevSecOps era of bringing that to life was simply the understanding that um, we couldn't continue the way that we were. We had to start to have testing be a big integral part of how we were thinking about security being part of the development process. So from my perspective, being DevSecOps minded is a way forward. It's um, something that I believe has to happen. I think that customers do ask us for security all day long, every day in most companies. And we don't really understand what that means when they, they ask. But I think, you know, the great thing at Adobe has been coming into the company, seeing how we do pen testing, having that security mindedness, really putting a lot of effort towards it, having a great CNA process uh, that we're working with. And ultimately trying to make security a front row citizen is, is part of what we think about every day. Adobe is changing the world through digital experiences. Great experiences have the power to inspire, transform, and move the world forward. And every great experience starts with creativity. Creativity is in our DNA and the future belongs to those who create. Our game-changing innovations are redefining the possibilities of digital experiences. We connect content and data and introduce new technologies that democratize creativity, shape the next generation of storytelling, and inspire entirely new categories of business. Making these great experiences requires trust. At Adobe, we're committed to protecting the security, privacy, and availability of our products, systems, and data so you can deliver trusted experiences every day. You can learn more about our efforts on the Adobe Trust Center. Can we shift a little bit and talk about reporting? So sometimes when testing results are reported, there could be items listed 
that are not necessarily impactful from a software quality perspective or from a security perspective. And sometimes we call that noise. Um, so what do you think would actually cut down on the noise that we experience in application security testing? Yeah, developers call it noise. The business may <laughs> call it noise. Um, I think security doesn't necessarily think that the things that they find are noise. Uh, noise is interesting because noise is a, as just an element is essentially saying, I, I can't really take action. This is something that is interesting, but I'm not really sure what to do with it. Doesn't have an impact on, or I don't believe it has an impact on the security of my application. And ultimately how we can actually cut down on that is to get ruthless about meticulously testing something. So organizing how we test. Um, one of the greatest ways of organizing how we test is to get to the point where we can rationalize what I call basics. Uh, it's really easy to talk to an executive and say, hey, we should keep our secrets safe. It's very challenging to walk up to an executive and say, hey, you're not using this, you're not doing that, you don't comply with this regulation, the standard isn't working for you, and to have thousands of things that they have to think about. So I believe that one of the real opportunities in the security arena, especially around testing, is to get to the point where we actually bucket the concerns, we make it so that um, an executive can understand where we're investing and then how to get it right. So essentially that might line up with and keep secrets safe, use cases as an example. What use cases are you going to have to keep safe? And if you're gonna actually have secrets in your software supply chain, you're gonna have secrets in your um, process for doing continuous implementation and, and delivery, then you're gonna have to keep those safe. Those are use cases. And then ultimately that leads to solutions that we all buy and procure or even build, right? And so those solutions themselves need to be tested routinely. I don't think anybody lines their stuff up this way. I, what I see that's actually happening in the industry is, all right, let's go security test. Here's the scanners, we're gonna run the scanners. We might apply some fuzzing, um, even for a lot of the security testers, I find when you ask them, are you surprised by what came out? And they're like, I'm not surprised by what came out, but I wouldn't have been able to predict that that would have come out. And so I think that's the real challenge is how do we organize the content of testing so that it can be disciplined, so that we can measure it, so we can rationalize, so we can check even that we're monitoring in the right places. If you test something, you should also be able to determine, are you having effective monitoring rules? Do you have an ability to action off of it? And that's what alleviates noise per se in the testing arena is ultimately if you can run something all the way through and show that it's important and that it's part of the end-to-end -end testing scheme, that you're measuring that information successfully, that it actually helps you with adversaries and reducing ultimate risk, that incidents are actually being cut down, that there's a way for you to see that there's a cause and effect you know, my belief is that you're going to have far more agreement on how you're going to actually get security to be to the next level. So for me, it's, it's about organizing it in a pretty meticulous way. I, I don't know that all the scanners out there are actually set up for this yet. I know that as you apply um, the mechanics of something, you can pull out and actually still organize your content, even if your scanner isn't set up properly to be able to be meticulously open and transparent about the tests that are being applied. And that's still that rationalization for a developer and for an engineer, or even for an analyst that's using a tool that they have to maintain, is a way for them to build skills in certain places that are actually gonna get you adversary benefit if you do them well. And if you're not gonna do them well, it's gonna be where you're gonna have your next instance.
Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that, Shannon. Um, and you've touched a little bit on on something I want to talk about next, and that is communication. And you talked about organizing content uh, during testing, which I I think would lead us to a more organized report. Also, touching base with stakeholders, saying you know, explaining what issues are, explaining how investments are being made, and what that means to them, to those stakeholders. Uh, so my question is, if you could um, describe an ideal application security report. In addition to those topics you've already talked about, what do you think should be included in that report? Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting about most testing reports is, again, we see very clearly what was done from a testing perspective in terms of the test that was run and what failed. But we don't actually get to see all of the volume that's actually being run against an application. Was it five tests that got you five findings or was it 10,000 tests that got you five findings? And so my belief is that um, we really need to raise the bar in the pen test community, in the testing community, and get to the point where our reports are very transparent about what were the number of tests that were run on something? What's the defect rate we got out of running a test? Ultimately, what do we expect in that? And so my belief is that securability, this metric that I, I generated, is something that we actually have to leverage and create a sense for a developer that what they do that's good gets credit and what they do that isn't working doesn't get credit. And that way we actually see where the securability of their applications is. Um, ultimately, when somebody runs a, a test, we should know whether or not they've applied 10,000 tests or five tests. Were five tests run and they got five defects? that will tell you that basically there, there's probably a resilience problem in that application. If five tests failed in 10,000 runs, that could tell you that it's not so bad. And it does take a lot of effort for an adversary to be able to go after that particular issue. I think having a sense of whether an adversary is gonna have an easy time getting to something is really critical. Understanding whether or not it's gonna be even remotely interesting, what's the motivation behind that adversary, is, is part of the mechanics of putting a report together. So transparency reports, I believe securability is a great metric for us. And it's one we're leveraging now to start to formulate how we do pen tests and how we think about testing as a scheme. I think the testing community itself really does have to get to the point where it's doing much better and that we're getting that transparency to come to life. Ultimately, you know, if you're running, let's just say you run a million tests as part of something and you have very few defects, it's a really interesting metric to see that versus you're running very few tests and all of a sudden something is coming up. I think you know getting more and more into the metrics and the dimensions of what's happening in the testing arena is part of how we're going to get to continuous improvement, especially for developers. I think it does tell a developer, hey, we ran five tests and five failed is something that helps the developer to understand they should probably spend some time trying to understand more how they're going to build secure software than if they ran through 10 million tests and they got five issues, that's going to tell them they're doing pretty darn good. And it's going to be a morale booster. I don't know that we're doing that yet for developers. I'm not sure we're actually having developers feel like they're, they're winning in terms of the security of their applications. In fact, I think as I've talked to a lot of developers out there, what they worry about most is that they're you know, doing something and it's not really having a return. And I think we have an obligation as a security community to make that return come to life. Janet, I think that's fantastic. We don't talk enough, I think, about 
how people feel about the work that they do and getting that sense of accomplishment and feeling we're doing the great thing. We're on the right track. And let's just, you know, the, that gives that sense of encouragement to continue. And, and like you said, to have that continuous improvement. Yeah. And confidence really, I, you know, it's interesting to me, you might have this sense truly of I did something great, but you're not, if you're not sure, and you really don't have a sense of confidence in it, it's still not as good as when you know you did something well. So we got to get to measurement for morale boosting. We've got to get to the point where good looks good and bad looks bad. We've got to get to the point where somebody can rationalize and make decisions and be able to be part of that formula of improvement. And ultimately, I think this is really where the next plateau has to start is you've got to start to make measurement of first order citizen. So Shannon, we've talked about the role of a couple of different groups, um, developers and security professionals. Wanted to add to that mix uh, the product team and talk about, first of all, the product team's uh, role in uh, smarter testing. And then also for all three of those groups, uh, developers, security and product, uh, what does accountability look like when, when issues arise? Yeah, it's a really great question. So product teams are the formula of really solving for customers. If you think about building value and getting down to customer-driven innovation, solving the problems that all of our customers have and, and why ultimately software is such a big boom, the product team is the, I believe, heart and soul of being able to move things forward to understand all the expectations that have to happen. And if you look at the security arena and bringing that into the fold, Quite often, the way that security comes into a product team is after the fact. It comes in as something that is essentially an issue after the fact, the bugs after the fact. And a product team has already kind of thought about, here's how I want the customer journey to go. But they also themselves haven't thought about what's the adversary journey that has to take place or how do we actually make sure that while we're solving for customers, we're not exposing our software or our capabilities to adversaries that we don't intend to have. Ultimately, I think that means that the product team itself, being that nucleus, if you will, has to take in security, development, expectations, all the different elements of things. And sometimes they need those early on as well. They have to actually figure out how they're gonna do the things that they're gonna do. I think that means that we have to have some way of actually bringing security to the forefront. So for me, that open test plan mindset, being able to have a sense of what are the basics that you can have a product team rationalize. Do they have enough uh, investment in keeping secrets safe or working through something that might be about minding assets, understanding the mechanics of the attack surface that they intend, being mindful about the attack surface they intend versus having it be surprising at the end. I, I still think that security is super surprising. And because we haven't really touched on these constituents in the right way, product teams are pretty critical. And because we don't have a way for them to rationalize or measure, it can be a little bit of a, a challenge to get to that forefront of the software discipline. We commonly talk about building security in. I don't think it's just developers that you have to have as a constituent. I do think the product teams themselves, whether it be your product managers, your marketing team, it might be your business strategist, those folks are pretty integral and they do need to understand the security dynamics. So to me, that means, hey, really asking them, what adversaries do you think you're gonna have? Which ones are, are concerning for you? How do you actually have them be part of testing to make sure that those things are taken care of? 
that they're not getting surprised, that they're not having feature time taken out because all of a sudden something didn't match up to expectations. So to me, I really think that the, the beginning of getting smart testing going is about thinking about that end-to-end -end supply chain and ultimately the different roles that are actually going to be part of it and how you get security to be intrinsically part of the business as well as the delivery schedule and things that are going to have to happen downstream. That's that's fantastic. That's a excellent feedback and excellent guidance uh, for our participants, Shannon. You mentioned this earlier, you talked about transparency, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about transparency from the standpoint of, I, I do believe that organizations strive to be transparent, but I think sometimes there's a little bit of a balancing act between information that may be perceived as, that may not be well received by their stakeholders. So can you talk a little bit about whether or not there's any risk uh, with being transparent in your testing? I think that being transparent in your testing isn't a risk necessarily. I think it's about what you do with it. So if you think about security transparency and testing, we just saw Equifax for the first time ever, a transparency report come out in the industry with a whole bunch of numbers in it. And kudos to them for being so bold because uh, what I really got out of that was uh, a lot of inspiration. I've been working on Securability since 2017, I really do believe that the, the way we're going to move forward as an industry is to start to find ways that we can communicate security wins and successes. And I think that they did a pretty nice job on being able to say, hey, we do all these things. Here's how much is happening in our environment. Here's really what we're up against. And making that so that we could all look at it and say, hey, I, I actually agree with all the things that they put in that report, that it's starting to make sense. I think we just have to conquer that. And ultimately right now, the security testing transparency that's out there, again, going back to the tools, security testing is really about this scanner and that scanner and this other scanner. And I don't think we've really gotten the security testing tools out there to build in enough of that transparency that the reports are gonna start to make sense to folks that we can actually not just share them with the technical folks, but actually start to turn those into something that somebody can rationalize and see oh, I passed a million tests. Right now we send out basically defect tickets or we send out reports with a bunch of different vulnerabilities that are found in it, but it still doesn't help somebody to see, oh, that's a N percentage problem. You know, we had this many tests run and we actually only failed maybe 1% of those tests. I think getting measurement to be part of the conversation is what's going to allow for this to, to transform truly. And that's why I think smart testing is about where do you think you're going to have problems applying those tests in a fashionable way? And, and honestly, getting to the point where you can measure it and say, look, gold star, you only failed one test out of a million. That's pretty darn good. And we've got to start giving ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back for the fact that actually security is better than it's ever been. Um, I remember when I started in this industry and we didn't even have PCI DSS. So a lot of folks were not sure what to do. And ultimately, compliance did raise the bar. But the bar is not high enough with compliance only. I really think that there is that next bar. It's about trying to understand what the securability is of your applications, of your environments, understanding what percent of uh, your total attack surface could be an opportunity for an adversary and managing it that way. Shannon, thank you so much. Um, this is a, a, a hefty topic and we could we could talk forever about it. And uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and, and I'm certain that, you, that you've given our participants a lot of great information today, um, but that, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, so thank you for taking time to be with us today. For our participants, uh, please make sure to check out Adobe's full blog 
on how smarter testing equals safer digital experiences in the link below. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Robin Lyons with Shannon Leitz, Vice President of Security at Adobe, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Page to Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 